They did this to you. They're trying to turn us against each other. Just look at them. What do they know about friendship anyway? I'll get them. You watch. I'll take care of those sons of bitches. Watch it, Alan. I'm shooting. Oh, good Lord. It's... It's unbelievable. It's... It's horrible. I can't understand the reason for such cruelty. It must have something to do with some obscure sexual writer. With the almost profound respect... These... Getting very careless. Blood in your hair. What will we do? You want to look pretty, don't you? Pretty for me. I can't believe you're not afraid. All you have to do is piss on it. Could you care blood, ain't you? God damn it, Ralph, get out of here. Go on, get. Leave people alone. You'll never come back again. Oh, shut up, Ralph. It's got a death curse. Evil. God, my leg. God, my leg. I'm here. You're here. There's a fog bank out there. Messenger of God. You're doomed if you stay here. Demanding everything, including blood. John, I want this material burned. All of it. My son was a son of a bitch, and he was no good. That's it. My son is dead. I don't want to talk about him no more. Oh, Sandy. Oh, Sandy. You're gonna die. Ma'am. He didn't find any boy. You know as well as I do. Takes all kinds of critters to make farmer Vincent fritters. <laughs> I wonder who the real cannibals are. All right, so I'm here with Bruce Holcheck. Now, Bruce Holcheck's worked on numerous uh, DVDs and special features and supplemental stuff. He also ran the website Cinema Arcania, right? Did I say that so right? Cinema Arcana. Arcana. There we go. Now, I- although although strangely, I think the actual pronunciation should be cinema arcana arcana um, but you know fuck it it's my site i'll say it how i want to 
Okay, so this site basically had all the upcoming DVD and Blu-ray releases for years and a bunch of like articles about VHS releases. It was a really nice source of information. I used to check it pretty much daily back in the, <laughs> back when it was uh, always up and operational. So we're here to talk about Antonio Margariti. I always say his name wrong. That's close enough for me. <laughs> guys that is perfect. Margariti. So, perfect. So uh, he's, he's an Italian director. We're here to talk about his movie from 1980 because we're doing a in 1980 horror year deal. Um, Cannibal Apocalypse, a.k.a. Invasion of the Flesh Hunters. Um, the cannibals are in the streets. And of course, what the uh, Italian name of Apocalyptica, whatever, uh, something like that. Apocalypse Domani. There we go. Yeah, I'll leave that one to you. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I know you're a big fan of this one, as am I. So I'm glad to get you on here. I've talked about this movie numerous times on podcasts and I reviewed it a couple of times. It's been with me since I was, you know, probably about 13 years old. Right. Um, yeah, first off, uh, thanks for having me. I definitely, uh, you know, I'm glad to be here. Uh, I don't really do a lot of uh, podcasts or video interviews or uh, things along those lines because most of them that I listen to, uh, most people that do them are idiots. Um, <laughs> well, most you, people are idiots. Right. You're, you're slightly less of an idiot. So <laughs> there I, I'm, we go. Gl- there I'm we glad go. to be here. It's yeah. a fantastic uh. day. But yeah, Cannibal Apocalypse is, you know, it's really been a longtime favorite of mine as well. Um, but it's kind of weird. It seems like in the years since I first saw it, uh, you know, back in the VHS tape trading days it was a pretty hot commodity on the bootleg market uh to you know get an uncut copy of it and just to see it and everybody seemed to love it at the time and even when the first dvd came out uh back in 2001 um which weirdly enough was actually the first dvd i was ever thanked on um you know and now here it is 21 years later i'm still doing the same crap uh it seems like you know when when the dvd came out that was you know justifiably celebrated as well you know, everybody was happy to get a good uncut copy of it with extras. And, you know, everybody was really gung-ho for it. But it seems like this most recent Blu-ray that came out, I didn't really see a lot of fanfare for it. I, you know, I didn't really see a lot of talk uh, about it coming back out. And I was kind of taken aback by that. You know, I thought it should have been a bigger deal. And I don't know if it's just a problem of it coming out from Kino, who isn't really known yeah. so much uh, amongst the boutique labels um, for their horror output so much um you know like would it be more celebrated if it came out from vinegar syndrome or scream factory or something like that um and it also seems like some people who are watching it now for the first time which is weird to me you know the the idea that you know here's this movie that i first saw you know close to 30 years ago um and now some people are just seeing it for the first time uh, but, you know, I guess I kind of have to remember that there's a whole new generation of people, you know, it's uh, that are getting into these movies now, uh, you know, with the with the Blu-ray boom. Um, but it seems like a lot of people who have watched it, I guess they kind of unfairly compare it to possibly, you know, Cannibal Ferox or Cannibal Holocaust movies that it's totally not related yes. to uh, in any way, shape or form. Um, or, you know, just the title alone, Cannibal Apocalypse, you know, it kind of sells this whole like giant epic thing. Uh, and it's really kind of like a more restrained, localized story. Um, so I don't know, maybe it's it's just a, a problem of people going in with false expectations um, or what. But yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, so I'm happy to kind of come on here and share the love for it a bit more and hopefully uh, talk a few more people into checking it out. Yeah, because if you look at the letterbox uh, ratings and stuff, a lot of people I follow that like typically the same stuff as me, you'll look at them and they're like, oh, this was just okay. And I'm just like, just okay? What right. Are we talking about the same fucking movie? Like, mm-hmm. so, so the plot is, is I don't know, it, it's a wild plot. We have uh, three Vietnam vets who contract a rare 
um, viral disease, but it seems to originally stem from some sort of psychological issue and it becomes a viral issue that can be spread, which I really like. I like that idea that you possibly, you sent these people over here and now you're going to have to pay for the consequences eventually, which we would see in Death Dream as well from 74. Right. But mm-hmm. this is actually handled by Italians, which is pretty unique and pretty cool. And also, Margariti was very good with action movies and very good with Vietnam. So he did three other Vietnam movies, to my knowledge, um, two of which with um, David Warbeck, of course, one of from 1980 itself with The Last Hunter and uh, what two more with with uh, Tony King from this movie. Mm-hmm. So he's very familiar with the subject matter. But this these Last Hunter, I think, shares a lot of similarities in its downbeatness. Yeah. But I think this one is actually probably the most downbeat. It definitely is in line with the other 1980 output. It's dark. Um, there's just so many things to talk about liking this movie. Um, I, I, I guess I kind of gave a half-assed plot here, right? So John <laughs> Saxton is, uh, um, I guess he's a Green Beret, although they point out that his outfit should be is different than everyone else's. But right. he, he's basically suffering from this viral disease. Two of his buddies are worse off at it. And we, we kind of go to, we, we open up with a Vietnam flashback, and then we kind of go into modern times. We realize that he's suffering, and his buddies are in the hospital. They're about to get released, and shit goes downhill from there and mm-hmm. troubles with his wife and the virus kind of you know speed things up a little bit until we end up with basically an all-out action film at the end a gory action film that has splices of dawn of the dead and um other margarini movies and stuff like that it's really unique um and i love the soundtrack i think it, it's it's basically defies the movie it's two parts we have the funky kind of playfulness which is great for the action set pieces and then we have the morose sad one the sad with the strings and everything like that which i feel right. encompasses the rest of the film so i feel like it's definitely a mixture it, it, it's, it's action-packed but also very sad and touching in a in a strange way yeah so uh speaking of the score uh which is by alessandro blonksteiner um he wasn't really so much a composer um he was more of like a conductor for other people's uh work um but this is one of the few scores that he did the full score for and he also contributed some additional music to uh fulci's house by the cemetery um but like you said it's really a a great score i have the uh soundtrack cd right here um which really you know you buy a lot of these italian soundtrack cds and a lot of them are just reworkings of the same theme for like 15 cues in a row uh, and it gets a little bit annoying but this one actually has a good deal of variety like you mentioned you know it kind of you know has the the peppy funkier songs and you know some of the more uh, morose somber pieces uh, so it's actually a really good listen so it's really one of my favorite cds that i've bought in the last few years for sure um so so to me really the heart and soul of this movie is the three vietnam vets like i know there's other mm-hmm. characters well the, the police captain is very comical relief and also entertaining but oh he's hilarious yeah he he gets all the best lines he gets all the best lines uh yeah i mean you know everything from uh uh dear god son put it down to don't uh, say uh, it right i'm real sensitive on fridays yeah (laughs) ashes to ashes shit to shit yeah uh Um, and it, it also ends with uh the greatest uh the greatest ending line ever uh Tell him this fucking nightmare is over. <laughs> it, is a, it was it's like, genuinely a nightmare. Right. It's like every line out of his mouth is just uh, so gratuitously vulgar. It's fantastic. I guess that's, you know, how they kind of thought uh, Americans spoke. And I, I think we kind of do. Shall I call up on the coroner, Chief? Yeah. Tell him this fucking nightmare is over. So, so we have like the three big in here. You got John Saxton, who is 
one of my personal favorite kind of like leading men because no matter what mm -hmm. he's in he's always solid and that's the most generic thing they say about him but it's it's 100 true he's in another right. movie this year called beyond evil which is not nearly as good mm -hmm. as cannibal apocalypse but no. there is a scene where he gut punches an orderly and if the whole movie would have been mm -hmm. john saxon gut punching orderlies it would have been a four out of five star movie unfortunately it's not that right. it's okay but he's really solid in it and this one i think he shines a yeah. little bit more and and there was rumors he was drinking a lot during this movie i never noticed if that's the case mm -hmm. yeah i don't know um it's funny that you you mentioned him after uh, uh mentioning the script uh, so the script by uh, uh dardano shaketti um who you know it's probably easier to name what he didn't write more yeah. than you know all the best what stuff. he did but yeah i mean he's you know uh worked with you know Lindsay fulci you know road zombie uh you know gates of hell uh new york river all that stuff demons um he did for lumberto bava and i mean just you know you look down his his roster of from like the mid 70s to the mid 80s and it's pretty much most of the greats yeah um so the idea that he introduced into this movie um, was almost looking at it as, as sort of, you know, an allegory for PTSD. Um, you know, the soldiers go over there and things are so bad, you know, they bring something home with them. Uh, and of course, in this movie, what they bring home with them is a, a, a cannibalistic virus. Um, and that's probably about as deep as the, the script gets. Uh, it's very, you know, kind of surface level, but it's it works, you know, in, in the framework of this movie, I really think it works. Um, and according to John Saxon, uh, it was the script that actually brought him to this movie. Um, you know, he read the script and he said it came along at a perfect time. He was, you know, kind of in the middle of a divorce. Um, he had two house payments going on and really needed some money. And, but he read the script and he really liked what he saw. Um, he later told me that the script he got actually didn't have a lot of the violent scenes in it. So when he read it, you know, he, he thought it was going to be one kind of movie, sort of like this drama, this sort of allegory about what can happen to the human psyche in war um, and what, you know, what baggage we bring home. Uh, but when he got on set, you know, there were certain scenes where they were they were working. He said people like brought out like trays of bloody meat. And he's like, well, what, what the heck is this? And uh, Antonio was like, oh, don't worry about it. Uh, and he's like, no, you know, this isn't the movie I signed up to make. Uh, and funny enough, the original script for this movie was actually even more graphic than what we ended up seeing. Like the, the scene with the nurse uh, when she bites the tongue out of the guy. Uh, the original script of that, she was supposed to bite off his dick. Palatio, and spit yeah. it out on the floor. Right. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it's, it's really kind of funny that they pulled a, a bit of a bait and switch on uh, John Saxon. Um, but yeah, like you said, he was great. You know, growing up, I always kind of knew him originally, I guess, as the uh, the dad in Nightmare on Elm Street. Of course, of course. Um, and then, you know, going back a little further, uh, you know, eventually, you know, going through all the Kung Fu movies and stuff, uh, saw him in Enter the Dragon. You know, I got the laser disc of that. Uh, so, like, those were really the two big ones for me that I knew him from by the time I saw this. Um, and on well, Black Christmas, too. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Um, but you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. He he really turns in a, a really solid performance in this, probably better than the material justifies. Oh yeah, but he um, elevates it because of yeah, that. exactly. Without him, exactly. this movie is not as is good, not at all. Right, right. Um, you mentioned the P, uh, PTSD, which is funny because he's in a really excellent movie from the '60s. I don't know if you've seen it called War Hunt with Robert Redford. I have not. He plays a really violent soldier and he's clearly suffering from some sort of disorder and he just goes out at night and he, I think it's probably the 
the Korean War? I can't think of which one. Mm-hmm. It's, the 60s. it's not Vietnam. But he ends up going out and just like, killing people at night on wow. purpose, like risking. It's a strange film. Like, it's a very good film, too. It's dark, you know, and, and that kind of sense. I, it's been a while since I watched it. But no, and the other cast members are great, too. And Giovanni Lombardo Radici was, was great. He had a great year in 80. He had three heavy mm-hmm. hitters in House on the Edge of the Park, City of the Living Dead, Gates of Hell, and this one. Right. And, uh, you know, he, he's just tremendous in this one. And he's great to go against Saxon because Saxon's very serious and straightforward and, and tough and, and collected, while Giovanni Lombardo Radici is the opposite. He's all right. over the place. He's very spastic and, and and smaller and just, you know, he he's almost like a younger brother to him. It, it works mm-hmm. pretty well with that. Yeah, which is kind of the role that uh, uh, Giovanni, Johnny, um, played in, in, in a lot of the uh, titles, you know, from around that yeah. period. Um, really, all three of those, he kind of plays, yes. um, you know, the, the bit uh, weaker in the bunch, uh, sort of the weakest link. Um, but he's great. You know, I, I met him uh, doing a, an interview uh, years back for uh, the Gates of Hell for the Blue Underground Blu-ray. Um, you know, went out to dinner and stuff with him. And he's fantastic. Uh, he's just the greatest guy. Um, and yeah, according to him, you know, he was at the time, you know, they were all everybody was just coked up and uh, <laughs> running around uh, while he was making these movies. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. He's always a, a good guy to see pop up in one of these things. You're always happy to see him. Oh, because uh, his demises right. as well. You know, his demise right. in all these movies. You're like, oh shit. Um, and also, yeah, well, I, well, yeah. I mean, you know, even in the the fanzine days, you know, he was always described as the pasta land whipping boy, just because. Yeah. I mean, all of his movies. I mean, his death scenes were were legendary. They're usually the showstoppers of the entire movie. And I mean, you can probably argue that, you know, his death scene in this is probably the goriest bit in the movie. Um, and probably like, you know, like I said, the show software, it's the, you know, the most memorable, the movie. Right, most right. clever too. And, and right. he's got a lot of the best scenes in the movie. Yankee mm-hmm. Doodle got shot up, all that. Yeah. Kind of he's stuff. like, right. Walking around whistling Yankee duty for like no apparent reason. Well, it's yeah. got my, I think my favorite line in the movie is when Saxon's like, all you have to do is piss on it. Remember? <laughs> Remember? Right. <laughs> yeah. That's my favorite whole scene. But uh, and then we end with the king of screaming, Tony King, who every yeah. single movie I've seen him in, including Raiders from Atlantis and Tiger Joe, he just screams, but he's, he's great great because he's like the you know the more athletic one of the three they kind of like i guess the brute force of the three and and the three of them work together really well in this yeah well tony yeah i mean tony king was an athlete yeah um so so yeah i mean he he, yeah he got drafted to the uh uh, buffalo bills um and played for one season uh so strangely enough him and his brother were actually on the same team at the same time uh which is like the first time in nfl history that you know uh two african-american brothers were actually playing for the same team at the same time uh and that actually later led to him you know he started this long like campaign to get them into the football hall of fame because of that uh and i believe they actually succeeded that's Um, cool yeah but so yeah he had a real strange career trajectory too you know he sort of you know went from football to sort of accidentally acting you know he kind of wandered onto certain film sets and you know first found extra work and then started trying to uh, go into some more sizable roles. Um, and I, I think, uh, like, he had some early appearances. I think he said, like, Panic and Needle Park and Shaft and things like that. And The Godfather, yeah. uh, he said, was the big one that, uh, you know, once you had The Godfather on your resume, he said it was a lot easier to get other work I just bet. because, you know, having a, a substantial movie like that uh, on there. But, yeah, uh, you know, besides this, for Margariti, like you said, he showed up in uh, The Last Hunter, which interesting enough so the the title of this one apocalypse demani you know uh, uh, apocalypse tomorrow you know obviously a riff on uh, coppola's 
yeah, Apocalypse yeah, Now. Yeah. But strangely, The Last Hunter should be the movie with the title Apocalypse Demani. Um, exactly. Because it's it's such uh, you know aping of the structure of uh, of Apocalypse Now that really that should be the the movie with this title, but it's not. It's kind of almost a little bit nonsensical for this movie, but it would fit perfectly for The Last Hunter. Now, now when I talked about like the four Vietnam movies before, somebody was like, I was like, I feel like Cannibal Apocalypse, Last Hunter, and Tiger Joe are the kind of trilogy, but they're like they, they disagreed and felt like the Last Tornado fit in. Yeah, there Tornado, more Tornado's in, in there Apocalypse. too. Yeah. So there's four um, of them, but. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. it. you know, whatever. It, it it's, whatever. you know, none of it's an official, you know, yeah. it, it's not like there was an official run. Um, yeah. But yeah, they're all pretty enjoyable. A lot of those are on uh, um, German Blu-ray. Like, I know I picked up like Tornado and, uh, uh, you know, some other things like Codename Wild Geese. And, yeah, I didn't get Tiger Joe. I think that got put out in, like a media book or something later. Yeah, down I don't the line. have that one either. That looked iffy to me. Sometimes those media books are very iffy releases. Right. You don't know if you're just getting upscaled VHS for forty nine ninety nine and a nice hard box cover or something like that. So you got to be very careful with that. Yeah, I actually just saw a uh, uh, 35 millimeter print of that a few years ago. Yeah. Zoomed Films out here in Philly did a five film Antari- Antan- uh, Antonio Margariti thon. Uh, so yeah, imagine that uh, sitting down for five 35 millimeter. Uh, uh, Margarita films. They so, did like Ark of the Sun God was there, which is sort of like his uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's a warback uh, too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's a funny one, actually. There's a uh, there's an entire scene in that a car chase scene that Margariti. You know, we'll talk about him, I guess, in a little bit. Um, but he loved miniatures, and there's an entire car chase scene in that movie where like the stunt is ma- is filmed with miniatures, like a, a car jumping over a train. And I remember seeing that on VHS originally and being like, is that a miniature? And, I, and thinking to myself, well, maybe, you know, seeing it on the big screen, yeah. it won't be as noticeable. You see it on the big screen, bullshit. It's just as noticeable. It's like seeing it's Killer ridiculous. Fish on Blu-ray, and you're like, this is all miniatures. Maybe it's right, not even right. from this movie. Maybe they lifted it from another movie. I don't <laughs> exactly. know. That's another Margarita movie. So where's this compare for his movies? Do you? Oh, put well, it before we get top? before oh, we get into that, I want I want to jump back into some of the other cast because oh, this movie, yeah. I mean, the cast is insane. It's just full of familiar Benatini faces is here too. Yeah. 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 Um, so Tony King, after acting for a while, he actually uh, converted to Islam. Yeah. Um, once the acting roles started uh, uh, drying up, he changed his name to. Um, Malik Farrakhan, which I thought was Malik Farrakhan until I heard him pronounce it, but it's Malik Farrakhan. And he actually became the head of security for Public Enemy. That's crazy. Uh, the rap band. And was has been with them for like decades. Um, so that's like his current gig. So he went from being a pro football player to being an actor and then to being the head of security for Public Enemy. That's a crazy life. Like, like right. What, what an insane career trajectory that is. Um, and there were some people that were actually making a documentary about him years ago, but I don't know if it was ever actually finished. I know they had started like a uh, Indiegogo page or something trying to get some finishing funds. I know they filmed a lot. Um, I can't remember the title of it offhand. Um, I think it's called something like A Long Way to the NFL Hall of Fame. But it, that's like that's not the actual title, but it's close to that. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's it's really kind of interesting. You know, he has a lot of interesting stories. But at the same time, his memory seems real hazy on like a lot of these. Uh, the you know, the Italian commentary films that he for did. Raiders from Atlantis wasn't exactly the most in depth. He was like, <laughs> "We had a lot of fun." He's like, "We had a lot of fun." That's right, funny. right, right. Yeah. <laughs> well, when I met John Saxton, mm-hmm. I asked him, and, and like at Wasteland, I was like, "Would you have anything from Cannibal Apocalypse?" Because that's what I wanted him to sign. And he had like right. a handler, and she was like, and he was just like, he gave me, he was like. <laughs> and I, I don't know if he knew it from a different title or he just did not remember the movie at the time you know what right I mean? right 
Yeah, did... I'm. Yeah, I met him at uh, so Gary and Sue Svela, um, who live out here. They run Midnight Marquee Press, yeah. um, and they used to do a convention every year called Fanex. Um, and they had John Saxon out one year, and because I was friends with them, and you know, we had a lot of uh, other friends that that came out to that show from out of town and stuff. Uh, the Savellas used to throw a party at their house uh, before Fanex, you know, every oh, year. Yeah. So, so we actually went out over to their place, and they have like you know a nice uh, home theater, uh, and we sat down and we, we were watching. I think it was a, a fistful of dollars or something. And John Saxon was there with us, uh, you know, watching these uh, Sergio Leone spaghetti westerns. And yeah, that's where I kind of uh, grilled him a little bit about it. And he he remembered it. Like I had to kind of remind him about it. And, you know, oh, you know, it's the one where you're in Vietnam and the cannibals and you get bit and you know with the little girl next door. And and uh, he sort of remembered some of that. And that's yeah, where he told me that the original script, you know, that he he thought he was kind of involved in a different movie than what it kind of turned out to be um I, I think at that point he still hadn't even seen it you know and and his memories were a little bit foggy on it um later on when they interviewed him for the uh dvd of it he you know seemed to recall it a bit more but yeah it's real funny yeah like going back it was strange like i remember everybody seemed to really enjoy that one but there was n- nearly nothing when that blu-ray hit like yeah, nobody, yeah i was yeah, so excited really i ordered two copies because i was like <laughs> i can't wait i can't wait and i ended up getting two copies and i think i sent one as a gift but yeah, and it looks great. The Blu-ray looks great. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's it was beautiful. one. It was unfortunately, you know, that was one that I actually really wanted to do a commentary for. Yeah. Uh, and it was one that I kind of, you know, when I sent them a uh, keynote an email saying, you know, I'd love to do a commentary for this. Uh, you know, me and Nathaniel Thompson wanted to do it because Nathaniel, you know, he's actually Nathaniel was the one that produced the DVD for Image. He, yeah. you know, worked over at Image then, and that was actually how I became friends with Nathaniel. Um, you know, twenty some years ago, uh, and now here it is. You know, twenty years later, and we're doing like commentaries for stuff. Um, but I, yeah, I really wanted to do that one. I, I, you know, sent them emails, but they went with, uh, Tim Lucas instead. I guess he's a bit more of a name, but yeah, hey, Tim Lucas's you know. commentary is really good on that too. I right, listened to yeah. it a couple of times and he points out all these things that really nice touches and everything. And he seems to be a fan. And if Tim Lucas is a fan, that should give other people <laughs> out there. Cause he's, I, I mean, I know he likes a lot of the same stuff, but he's mostly a Baba guy. So, I mean, like right. and Baba's King, so I don't know. Like and he points out the the mixture of this like being a Romero Cronenberg Fulci all that stuff and you're like it genuinely is very much yeah. I think very much so surprisingly it fits most with Cronenberg which mm-hmm. is kind of crazy to think yeah 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 with well action, I mean yeah it's a contagion movie right it, it has very much a rabid feel yeah um it feels a bit you know I know there's some similarities that you know some can claim that there's some Dawn of the Dead influence but I actually feel more the crazies. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it really has a lot of that feel. And, you know, some of the other Contagion movies like uh, I Drink Your Blood or They Came From Within, things like that. Um, but yeah, Margariti doesn't really direct it so much like a horror movie. Um, like you're saying, it was kind of, you know, in that run of Vietnam movies he was doing. Um, and, you know, he was never so much a horror guy. And he really wasn't a gore guy either. Um, you know, some of his earlier movies have like a little bit here and there, like the, the girl getting her... Uh, nose bitten off by rats in the virgin nuremberg um but i mean mainly at that time he was doing you know spy films a bunch of peplum um you know muscle man movies uh some of his most widely distributed movies were his space movies that he did in the 60s um and then towards the 70s you know he was kind of a journeyman you know he'd go wherever the money was um so i mean he you know made a jolly made some spaghetti western yeah some things like that but this he doesn't really direct it so much for uh suspense per se you know it's it, it feels more like he's directing it like an action movie 
Um, and this, you know, I, I, it's, you know, Madame, uh, Edmondo Amati, who produced it, um, they basically made their pre-sales with Japanese and German sales. Um, so they pretty much made back their entire the entirety of the budget with just those two uh, territories sold. But the demands were for violent motion pictures. Um, so you kind of see that with this and The Last Hunter, which are, you know, to me, easily Marguerite's two goriest films. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, you know, because of that, probably my two favorite Marguerite yeah. films uh, on top of that. And the gore comes out of almost nowhere. Like, it's like a, a typical kind of action. Then the lady in the beginning, she's burned and she falls in the hole naked. And you're like, that, Jesus, that came out of nowhere. And then it has <laughs> right. like that almost playful music. And then it turns real dark when she goes in the hole and... Yeah, and, yeah, 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 and then like that's pretty rough, and like mm-hmm. it just it does. It's that last hunter too, especially like, especially when they go in there and they butcher the last kind of with uh, John Steiner's group is right. and it's real gory and violent. You're like, this is excessive as shit. Very mean spirited right, right. movies, and um, so, so like uh, you said, these two are your, probably your favorite margaritas. I know yeah. like Killer Fish is pretty ridiculous, and Naked mm-hmm. You Die is very fun and light, kind of in that mystery thriller kind of deal i i went i said jolly it's been a long time since i watched that movie Naked yeah you yeah, die. I, yeah i think so and then uh what are some other ones the long hair of death he had the gothic face mm-hmm. like literally he touched everything he wasn't yeah, exactly yeah. he couldn't really i mean like he's like a umberto lenzi or a sergio martino they would just touch whatever right 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 so yeah yeah but i, I mean but, i actually i do find his earlier movies uh more interesting it seems like in the 70s like he was kind of like less interested in that um, but yeah, you know, I, I really like like Wild Wild Planet and the Snow Devils and, you know, some of that early stuff that he did. Um, I'd love to see more of that kind of stuff hit blue. I'd love to see more spy movies in general hit blue. Uh, I think a lot of them are really fun. But that like between those and, and, and the Peplum, the Muscle Man movies, those are like probably two of the most under under uh, upgraded genres out there. I mean, there's just not much in the way of market no. for him i guess i'm not too uh, familiar with a lot of those either or the italian comedies like right. it's a little bit of a light subject because when i was growing up none of those were released you know yeah, and yeah. it wasn't a focus for me i know of like some of the spy stuff and i, I think i've seen one of uh, margariti's uh space ones that did a uh, film detective just put one out right yeah they did they did uh battle of the worlds which yeah. is which is one that i haven't actually seen before i wasn't um, too so, yeah. thrilled with it i'm gonna be honest <laughs> i haven't it watched was, it yet it wasn't it, it wasn't my number one margarita <laughs> let's put it that way um but the the release is nice it's got a good features on there and that that stuff helps with the context and everything like that right so if you compare this to the other cannibal movies it always got lumped in with the cannibal so, movies. so 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 yeah. before we get to that i do yeah. want to jump back and talk about uh some of these other uh cast members oh yeah yeah we got um, we got um a couple in yeah. there yeah so i mean we've talked about saxon uh, giovanni lombardo radice uh, tony king or uh malik farrakhan yep um chinzia di carolis um, she is the neighbor, the sort of Lolita-esque okay. yeah. neighbor. Um, so she actually was a child star. Um, most notably to me, anyway, she's the little girl in uh, Argento's Cat of Nine Tales. Um, uh, the one with um, the blind guy, with right? With Carl Martin, right, yeah, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, that, that's her as the little girl. Um, and she, she, you know, uh, did some singles, you know, records. Uh, she had like a singing career side of that. Uh, she kept doing like uh, some child roles until like as soon as she was legal she pretty much tried to break that child star image uh, she yeah. she appeared in men's magazines like you know she was in the Italian Playboy um, she did this movie right before this uh, called Libidine um, that uh, it's this real kind of like uh, twisted sex snake 
uh, mad scientist movie. It uh, stars uh, also uh, Marina Friese, who is like Italy's queen of hardcore. Um, transsexual Ajita Wilson's in it. So really, just said Escape from Hell, which I rewatched. Which that one's a fun one too, actually. Yeah. It's actually um, better. Than, it's better than the Savage Island, but they yeah, oh, cut oh, into, yeah, very much so. Although that's weird seeing Penn Jillette in that. Uh, I barely remember that for good reason. <laughs> Savage Island right. was just a turd. Yeah, with with uh, he's he's in one of the scenes with uh, Linda Blair, if memory yeah. serves. Um, but yeah, uh, so yeah, uh, Libidine's like super fucking sleazy. Um, so she she did that. She did the Playboy spread, and then jumped to this, where you know she kind of it's weird because. She's still, even though she's, yeah, I think she's like 19 when she made this. Um, she's still really young looking. Uh, so it just kind of makes that whole scene uh, really gross. You know, for sure. Her, right. With John Saxon, just really kind of uh, 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 just a little, it makes you a little bit queasy. Um, well, and Saxon's the last guy, too, you'd think would do something like that. Right. right. So it's really uncomfortable. And the way his demeanor is about the whole situation just makes mm-hmm. it seem real. And it's just unpleasant as fuck, to be honest. Right. Um, but so she went from that to she actually ended up becoming a voice actress and a director of dubbing. Yeah. Um, so she was like the voice of Madonna in like a, uh, uh, you know, whatever uh, theatrical releases Madonna had, like Desperately Seeking Susan and things like that. Who's that girl? You know, she was the voice of Madonna in those. She was the voice of Courtney Cox in the Scream movies um, when they were released <laughs> in Italy. That's crazy. Um, and she made a huge uh career not only doing dubbing for live action movies but also anime um so a lot of anime releases in italy uh contain her voice uh, or she's the uh, director of dubbing so yeah she went you know kind of from a child actress you know singing you know little uh, novelty records um to then just like a brief period of like real sleazy shit and then to a whole new career as voice talent I don't think she could have got out of it though, because I feel like Italy at that time was all sleazy shit, right? Right, right. Like that, like we said, 1980 was all like that. Every movie mm-hmm. was like, if there's not a rape scene, we're not selling this. That's what <laughs> it really felt like, to be honest. Right, right. I know the the what was the guy who played Doctor Phil? Is he's a Spanish actor, right? I know he pops up in a few things. I love to hate him in this. He's such a Weasley bastard. Right, right. Well, and he, and he isn't he's the one that's saddled with, like that's the other funny thing about this. You know, it takes place in Atlanta. You know, they shot in Decatur. Yeah. Uh, or yeah, they shot in Decatur, Georgia. Um, so like, the Nick Alexander team who are responsible for a lot of the dubbing of of these things. Um, they did the dubbing for this and you can hear their voices a lot like Venantino Venantini who plays yeah. uh, the cop who is kind of like chaperoning around the detective for most of the movie um, his he's actually voiced by Nick Alexander um, is that usually, Ray Lovelock too in Zombie same voice yeah yeah and yeah, uh, I he, can tell. or uh, Al Cleaver in Zombie Al Cleaver yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. No, Ray Lovelock Jesus Christ I'm getting old yeah Al <laughs> Cleaver of course Cleaver whatever yeah right. what's his real name it's something very long uh, P- Pierre Luigi, yeah, yeah, something, something. I can't, yeah, I can't believe I mixed up Ray Lovelock. Right. That would be a completely different movie. But no, exactly. That, that very that, deep that, voice. Yeah, that'd be Living Dead Manchester Morgan. I think that's the uh, first time I realized that dubbing was because I've seen Zombie when I was like twelve, numerous right. times, and I watched this a couple times. Like that guy from City of Living Dead <laughs> is voiced by that guy. Yeah, from yeah, Zombie. yeah. It's, yeah, Nick, Nick Alexander's voice is is so uh, recognizable. Um, 
but yeah, like a lot of the secondary characters in this, they really saddle them with these totally ridiculous, like Georgia accents. They tried to give them like the Southern accent, but it's like a bunch of Italians. So it's like, they don't know what even a Georgia accent sounds like. So yeah, I think Dr. Phil the whole time is just like, well, let me take a look at that. <laughs> oh, like, that guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then the other doctor, Dr. Phil's the tongue guy, right? Uh, is he? Okay. I can't yeah, no, remember. No, the, the one doctor who is obsessed with, um, with the nurse Saxon's wife. Right. Okay. That's right. His yeah. His name. And then Dr. Phil, the one who's obsessed with the nurse, has the worst dubbing I've ever heard. Right. And he gets his tongue bitten out. That guy is just like, it's just over the top. It's just so (laughs) bad. And that was the same issue with Eaten Alive. When the, the on Janet Argan, her dubbing yeah. was supposed to be like a Southern Belle, and she was it was the worst. It was the absolute <laughs> worst. And, but, but it's again, it comes back to like Italy having that weird obsession with making movies in Georgia, like The Beyond and uh, Madhouse, I believe, was an Italian one. That's a really yeah. well, that's an well, underrated were... flick too. And then The Visitor too, I think is yeah. The Visitor. Uh, yeah. There were some there were some tax breaks um, around this time uh, in Georgia, so that's why you got stuff like The Gates of Hell down there. Um, you got this, the visitor, uh, uh, Lumberto Bava's uh, blast fighter, um, even Macabre, right? Uh, I think was Macabre there or was Macabre Louisiana? Louisiana, definitely down okay. south though. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, and Louisiana was another country, another that state. Was the that beyond. Had the tax beyond was, yeah, the Beyond was, was Louisiana, Louisiana as well. and then right. yeah, Madhouse was Georgia, or yeah, I think so. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean they they kind of were doing that to sort of entice. Uh, you know, film productions in there, and the Italians are more than happy to take them up on it. Uh, which I think is great. It kind of yeah. almost gives them like this weird regional feel. Like you don't really see movies shot like in Decatur too often, you know? Um, so, I mean, like the flea market and the strip Not malls. The and the, right, right. So, you know, I kind of like the sort of feel that gives them. Plus, I mean, you know, the Italians, it was all alien to them. Uh, so they kind of film it a bit differently, I feel like, than Americans would, you know, if they came in. Well, especially um, the or, cemeteries, right? Right, right. Yeah, so it is interesting. Um, so we did bring up the nurse. Um, so that her, she's an actress named uh, May Heatherly. So she's you know the fourth of the quartet yeah. of these cannibals that are running around. Um, she was actually a uh, an American actress, um, or she was born in America but moved to Spain at like a real young age. Um, kind of came back to the U.S. did some television roles when she decided she wanted to be an actor, but then to get film work, she actually moved back to Spain and started doing some stuff. Uh, you know some european productions you know she was in uh beaks the movie aka birds of prey um uh you know some stuff like that but her, her biggest oh she was in edge of the axe i think uh Laraz's yeah, edge that's of the a axe. Good one. um but her biggest role which i it weirdly i didn't realize this for years uh she is the mom the bitchy mom at the beginning of pieces who oh, throws who really? throws away the jigsaw puzzle and the kid axes her in the head yeah, yeah. Uh, and chops her off yeah that's her that's the I didn't nurse even from recognize that. right yeah and I, it's funny because i went back and looked at it i'm like yep sure enough i'm like that's her that's crazy that is i crazy. never i never made that connection like in the vhs days or even in the dvd days it wasn't until you know uh, uh looking at it for this that i realized that And all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put the pieces together. Where did this filth come from? <coughs> Answer me! Answer me! What I have to put up with? You dirty-minded little brat, playing with filth like this, just like your father. You don't watch out. That's who you're gonna grow up like. And I can tell you a couple of things about him. Bastard! Kill you if I ever find stuff like that in the house again. Go get a plastic bag. 
Yeah, I never um, noticed that at all. And like, right. I, I know there's probably like Venatini was in a bunch of movies. That guy was well, like, yeah, yeah, Venatino Venatini. Yeah, he was in, I mean, most notably, it's funny because several people from this cast went right on to Gates of Hell. Yeah. Um, or City of the Living Dead, whatever you want to call it. To me, it's always Gates of Hell. That's how I grew up knowing it. On it's VHS, a better title. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's the one that, you know, puts John Morgan's head in the, in the drill. Um, but well, before I get off the subject to him, I just watched him uh, in that uh, that Vinegar Syndrome Jallo box that recently came out. He's in one called uh, Nine Guests for a Crime, I believe yeah. it's called. Um, there is a scene of him walking around this beach where, I swear to God, he is wearing these cut-off jean shorts that might as well be Daisy Dukes. Because there's literally, there's a shot of him walking, like, away from the camera. And literally, you can see his hairy man ass cheeks hanging out the bottom of these jean shorts. Me and a buddy were watching that and just, we were dying. We're like, what the hell are they thinking? I think he um, was in that, um, he's definitely in the one with uh, Joe Don Baker. And I feel like he's in a little Speedo for half the fucking movie around the pool. <laughs> and he's the bad guy. He's just sitting around the phone. <laughs> what? what? That sounds about right. right. It's, it was about right, yeah. I mean, but I've always liked him. <laughs> yeah. I feel like... He's, he's in like and he's he's in some weird stuff too. He's like in the uh, the Beast in Space, that weird like uh, um, space. That's porno 1980 thing. as well. I've yeah. never watched oh, is it? that, but it's it's on my list. One of the yeah. last ten I'm gonna watch. Yeah, that's a weird sleazy one too. And I believe he's uh, in yeah, there, Seven Deaths a, and there, a Cat's Eye. Another margarita. Is that a margarita? Yeah, that is a margarita. Yeah, I think he is in that. Um, so yeah, if you watch um, if you watch the Beast in Space, try to get the triple X cut. I think I have the triple X yeah, cut on yeah, DVD. It's, it's insane. Um. But his son is also in this, uh, Luca, um, Luca Venantini, yeah. uh, who plays the neighbor Bobby, the little boy yeah. next door. Um, and every time he goes running in this movie, I just think of him in Gates of Hell at that last shot of him running towards the yep. camera where the frame cracks up. Um, so or yeah, supposedly I mean, Fulci might have spilled coffee on the negative. That's <laughs> right, allegedly, right. Who knows? Yeah, who knows the true story behind that? I kind of like it, you know. I, I like that movie. It's not going right. to change how I feel about it at the end. Exactly. Of the day. It's just kind of like right, another just ridiculous ending. You're like, whatever. Like that's good enough for me. Um, but yeah, yeah, uh, like yeah. Between all of those people, I mean, it's just you know the supporting cast in this movie is absolutely outrageous. Uh, I know we talked a little bit about uh, Wallace Wilkinson. Uh, who plays the main sheriff with the uh, the foul mouth? Yeah, um, he he was a Georgia actor, um, so he actually was an Italian guy. But he did uh, work in some stuff like he had small roles in like The Visitor, um, and he actually showed up uh, in Invasion USA with Chuck Norris. Um, but yeah, apparently he was like a, a <laughs> like a gym teacher or something, or like a, a a sports coach for like a high school or something, and then yeah, moved on to acting, did like a lot of regional stuff, and then you know pretty much just. Uh, stayed around Georgia. I feel like he improved half of his dialogue. I would not be surprised. I, it feels like he did. Every time you have something that's real regional in a non <laughs> movie made by somebody, it's like this is improv. Like Lee Ermey improved all, all his dialogue in the Texas Chainsaw remake, which right. is probably the reason he's the best thing about it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because he's like, right. I'm not saying this garbage. Let me just do my own shit. <laughs> um, as, as far as comparing to the other cannibal movies, it's it's rather unfair because it's it, it got lumped in, and that's probably the reason it made. The, I know the rat crying scene with the blood is what oh did right it. right but in reality right. it was the fucking title because you know it was cannibal 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 they're seeing the cannibals so they're like right. shit no they just saw cannibal holocaust and cannibal ferox they're throwing it on the list right and it's yeah. nothing like them i mean nothing right yeah I like we it, said before you know yeah. it's, a, it's a lot more akin to you know those contagion movies like you were saying uh, especially rabbit i mean rabbit it really rabbit. feels uh very similar and they bring it up multiple times that you know oh this is like rabies exactly 
And, and even uh, the scene in the police station is you could have put that in rabbit. Oh, and right. No right. one would have said shit. They would have like, oh, that's a rabbit scene. Yeah. So that's actually uh, so the cop that uh, bites off the uh, woman's boot. Director's son. Uh, yeah, it's director's son, yeah. Eduardo. Yeah, yeah. Um, Shares my last name. Ah. Parker. There you go. There's also a Parker in Left Sleeping Corpses Lie. And a Benson, <laughs> is, who is, is my, real... my mom's maiden name. They only mentioned Parker, but Benson's my mom's maiden name, and Benson you know, bites it. They're both England. They're both UK <laughs> names, so it makes it's, sense. It's funny, you know, having done the commentary to Let's Sleeping Corpses yeah. Lie, you would think that I would remember that, but I totally don't. Well, I uh, would is, remember. Is he, is he the one? Is he the one cop who? Uh, my favorite line in the entire movie of Let's Sleeping apples. Corpses Lie. Yeah, I'm just mad about apples. <laughs> it's like it's so random and so weird. I'm it's like, a memorable ass line. It's right, like Arthur right. Kennedy looks like he hasn't slept in eight days, and he's sitting next to me. He's like, hey, he gives him like a polite laugh. Like, Fuck off. <laughs> No, but Parker Benson's the one who dies in the crypt. Poor Benson. Okay. Okay. And then they just mentioned Parker in passing, I think. I don't right. think he actually I don't think it's that guy who says the apples, but it might be because they mentioned the name. That <laughs> cop is so strange. It's so good. Yeah, this is actually, I think, my second favorite cannibal film if we're talking Italian cannibal films. I know it's not in the same jungle kind of Yeah, I was gonna say, here. I yeah, I can't even I can't even class it with them because no, it's I just, don't. it's a completely different thing. If anything, I'd be a little more inclined to put it with some of the zombie movies but it's really not that either you know it's rabid right <laughs> which yeah, is kind exactly. of a zombie movie kind of not the crazy right, yeah. kind of a zombie movie kind of yeah. not the i fattest. drink your i drink your blood they're all um, kind of zombie movies they're kind right. of not you know yeah yeah uh, the right the sadness right yeah i didn't even think about that but yeah 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 that's another uh you know kind of a uh new era uh, contagion movie which i guess you know 28 days later and all that shit too but but uh, it's could... funny that like people think 28 days later was the first one to do it. it's like well or or the sadness is like the crazies and stuff did this stuff and like lots of movies rabid where yeah, people well, just start to slip they're not right. completely gone but they're there uh, they're almost uh, there umberto lenzi's nightmare city yeah yeah i'm pretty sure those were meatballs though that's <laughs> <laughs> outer space meatball men that's 1980 <laughs> as well and it's a lovely movie like i said um, well, Tim Lucas in the commentary is mentioning like in the in the the um, sewer, it was very much reminiscent of Alien, mm-hmm. and and I was like, yes. But then we're thinking like, if you look at 1979, we had 1978, 79, we had Dawn of the Dead, we have Alien, we have Zombie. Every single Italian movie had some of that in there. Right, Every single right. Italian movie from that time, and almost all the American movies had some influence from Dawn of the Dead or Alien or Zombie in there yeah, somehow. Yeah. So it, it, you could just pin all the little details and everything like that so i mean i just don't understand why people don't enjoy this one i don't know what's holding it up back yeah me. yeah no me neither yeah because i like i said like we've discussed you know i think it's really a lot of fun i think it's paced well uh the score is fantastic it's got an amazing cast uh all of whom i think especially saxon give a better performance than the material necessitates uh, and as so, it kind of gives it a bit more of uh, gravitas, you know, like yeah. uh, some of the scenes with him and his wife, like especially at the end, you know, they're actually kind of touching. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree. The ending's great. Yeah, yeah. Um, I definitely, do, you know, I don't want to spoil it for anyone who hasn't seen it. Uh, I can't imagine someone not watching the movie and then deciding to sit down and watch this. I agree. Uh, I agree. But, Unless it just the, pops up the on the podcast knows? feed and they just listen to absolutely everything. <laughs> right, right. Um, but yeah, yeah, I definitely think it's one that should be enjoying a better reputation than or not necessarily a better reputation but it should just be more widely praised these days and like i said you know back in the old days it was you know everybody loved it back in the vhs days so i don't know what the hell happened so if you had to give 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 one uh performance from all three of the lead actors in here that you would recommend 
um, for somebody to watch. That's not this one. You know, it's Saxton for Saxton for Giovanni Lamberto Radici and for Tony King. Oh Jesus. Um, let's see. Tony King was really good in one called uh, um, "Report to the Commissioner," a New York uh, sort of uh, crime movie. Um, I thought was he was really good in that. Kino um, Blu-ray, if you're looking. Yes, yes. Um, my buddy Giovanni. Um, God, he's always good though. Um, I'll go with a you know a more obscure one. Um, not you know no one's going to consider this his best performance, but he popped up in it, and I was surprised that he was in it because I didn't realize he was when I started watching it. Uh, but it was a really fun movie. Um, it is called. Oh, yeah, God, I hope I get the title right. Uh, Deadly Impact by I think it's Fred Williamson in that. Uh, no, it, well, hold on. I know that movie. I don't know it's if it's an I ever action it, movie. It is yeah. by and it's by I want to say uh, um, Fabrizio De Angelis. Okay. Uh, yeah, so it's directed Fabrizio De Angelis. It stars. Uh, Bo Svensson, Fred Williamson. Yeah, I thought so. I thought he was um, in that because I think I have like one of those or bought one of those really shitty like low quality DVDs. But I was like, I can't watch right. this like 20 years ago. Yeah. So there was a uh, there was a period of time uh, in the mid 90s, I guess, mid to late 90s, where there was a bootleg tape company called Creature Feature Video. And somehow they got in touch with me about doing reviews of their tapes for their bootleg catalog. You know, basically just paragraph blurbs trying to sell these movies. You know, the guy that ran the company didn't have time to watch and write up all this shit. So he would just send me a box of tapes. And I was like, you know, in my teens, normally spending, you know, 15, 20 bucks on bootlegs. So to have somebody just send me a box of tapes, I was like, this is the greatest gig ever. I was like, and I just got to write a paragraph about these? I'm like, this is fantastic. Uh, But that was one of the ones that they sent me way back when. Um, and I don't think I've watched it since because I don't think that there's uh, been a good release of it. No, I don't um, think so. But I just remember the action scenes being like ridiculously over the top, like really great car crashes and stuff. Um, almost to the point where it was almost comical. Um, but yeah, yeah, that was a fun one. I'd really actually like to see a, a good, nice, cleaned up print of that. Um, I don't know what the market is for that sort of stuff these days, you know, sort of like mid-tier um, Italian action movies, but... Uh, to me, it'd be a day one purchase. Um, stuff like that, or like Thunder Thunder Warrior, another Fabrizio DeAngelis thing. That would be fantastic to no. see those. He's the director uh, of... Did he do Killer Crocodile? Yeah, yeah, he did yeah. the first Killer Crocodile. Larry Ludman was his uh, usual pseudonym. I think he did... Uh, uh, whatever. Uh, well, I can say other... Larry Ludman's better than Larry Buchanan. <laughs> this is true. Loch Ness Whore. Very true. Very run, true. run very far away. <laughs> Uh, so let me. Th- I'm trying to think a good John Saxon one that I would recommend. Uh, that's not the the usual. Um, For anybody who does know, he's obviously in Ten and Bray and Nightmare on Elm Street, the big ones and stuff, and he's fantastic in those movies. Right. Yeah, Ten and Bray is probably my favorite Argento movie, um, and probably my favorite Jalo. Um, I love Ten and Bray so much. I think it's so tightly scripted. It's super gory. Um, the twist is great too. Yeah, it's great. I mean, it really. It's really a well thought out. It's filmed beautifully. I love the score. Like, and Dario no... gets to make comments about his critics, which he loves doing. <laughs> right. Yeah. There, there's nothing I dislike about uh, about Tenebrae. Jesus Christ. So John Saxon, 197 credits. <laughs> <laughs> that is so many. So many. 
Uh, all right. Oh, okay. So you got all his like Teen Idol stuff, and then you got like his westerns and his TV stuff. Evil Eye, Mario Bava's Evil Eye, that was a good one. Queen of Blood, Curtis Harrington, that was a good one. Uh, episode of the Time Tunnel. Uh, I know mine if I had to give one right now. Well, hold on. Uh, Let's see if they match up. I was gonna say I don't want you to steal mine. No. Uh, Joe Kid with Clint Eastwood. Um, Enter the Dragon, of course. Black Christmas. He did actually, a lot of TV. Mitchell with uh, Joe Don Baker. Is that, that, I heard that's supposed to be infamously bad. <laughs> I like it. I, but it's one of those ones that got put on Mystery Science Theater, so everybody who saw it on there automatically oh thinks God. it's bad. Right? So, yeah. So, uh, I totally forgot that John Saxon is in my favorite uh, Poliziotesky movie of all time, which is Umberto Lenzi's Violent Naples. Okay. Uh, so, that would be my recommendation. Hands down. Uh, I first picked that up on VHS as Violent Protection. Uh, and it was one of those first movies that I sort of was kind of exploring outside the realm of horror movies a bit. And looking at that, I'm like, oh, you know, this. I think this is Italian. Um, so I rented it. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, this movie is amazing. Uh, so, yeah, if you have not seen Violent Naples, uh, definitely check it out. It's my favorite favorite uh Plutoteski. I don't I don't think I've seen that one. Yeah, there's not really a good English friendly release of it. Um I think like Film Art or somebody else supposed to uh do it uh in Germany. Uh hopefully that comes to fruition. Uh, um, it's, re- it's really a great movie. Um I, I also would... saw I also saw one here Strange Shadows in an Empty Room, which I also really, really like. Strange um, Shadows. Is that the is um Stuart Whitman in that one? Yes, yeah, yes Tisa Farrow. Um, sort of like a combo Jolly and cop thriller. Yeah, Kino put that out. Uh, yeah, that's a strange well. film. Yeah, yeah, there's really like, like that one elongated too. scene where Stuart Whitman beats up a gay guy, if I remember correctly. Uh, it, it, it's a it's a gang full of transvestites. He gets yeah. in like this big fight with them, like outside their in their apartment, or is it just one? It's a strange uh, film. Yeah, I can't remember, but yeah, he like ends up I think sticking like the curling iron up his ass or something. Yeah, like, inappropriate really... for the yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I would recommend people check out Battle Beyond the Stars. It's a very oh, okay. common movie but his yeah, performance in that was just so unique and different for him because he plays an alien right and uh his, his freak out at the end is, is one of my favorites but i want to live forever <laughs> uh yeah i, I want to go down the list of some 1980 horror movies or exploitation movies and just say better or worse okay for you better or worse if i can say do you like this better than cannibal apocalypse or worse okay so cannibal holocaust jesus um it's more fun to watch, but Cannibal Holocaust is the more powerful film. Okay. Uh, and Just, we'll, I, do them, we'll do them yeah. quick. Well, we don't have to. I mean, I got time. It okay. don't matter. Unless you're... Look, am I boring you? Is no, that no, that's not, that's not it. No, I just don't want to... I was just going to give you a bunch of them. Good. I, I don't give a shit. Um, yeah, no, I would go... I'd go Cannibal Holocaust as the better film, the more important. Although Cannibal Apocalypse is more fun to watch. Uh, Cannibal Holocaust is kind of a kick in the nuts every time you sit down yeah. and watch it. Uh, but, you know, it's great, you know. Sticking with Diodato, House on the Edge of the Park or Cannibal Apocalypse? Um, I may give the edge slightly to this one. Ooh. Even the, even the, I know, that's tough, though. They're probably just about equal, really. Um, I do I do like them both a lot, obviously, having done the uh, commentary with, with Ettinger for uh, House on the Edge of the Park, which I think might be our best commentary, really. It's very good um, commentary that uh yeah that's a that's a really good that's a really well put together movie um uh, but i think this one is too um i'd like i might like the soundtrack to this one better um 
and this one gets a little gorier. That one's more of a chamber piece, you know. It's kind of like just a, you know, locking a bunch of people in a room and watch, you know, just watch sadism for ninety minutes. Um, so I might give, I might give, I might give it to this one just very slightly. So sticking with uh, Johnny Morgan, we'll go with um, City of the Living Dead or Gates of Hell. God, this is tough. It's a tough year. It's got to be the it's, best horror right, year, right? Right. It's got to be the best year. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, literally all none, all of these movies are great. Yeah, you know, everything you're listening are great. Like t- all top hundred, um, all top hundred yeah. movies. Yeah. Um. So Gates of Hell is not my favorite Fulci movie. Um, which would probably always go zombie, but that might be more sentimental value than anything else because that was really the first one I saw. Uh, and was like a game changer in my life. Like that eyeball yeah. scene, like really knocked it open. Zombie's like, a I, game changer for yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm like, I need to see everything this guy made, and this was pre-internet, you know, so. I didn't know how to find these things. I used to have this book that I bought from the grocery store called like the video movie guide. That's what I had. And I used really? to go through it and he gave zombie a fucking Turkey. Probably. Yeah. Well, it's, it, it, to George Romero, one star. <laughs> but it had an amazing film, uh, filmographies in, in the there. back. Fucking shattered dead was in there. Well, movie I, was... I, Shattered Dead didn't exist when I bought my copy. Oh, but I got so the 2000 like, edition. Yeah, mine, mine was like 1991 or something. I got, I got the so, 2001 edition or something. But shit. like, so back then they all had this absolutely fantastic filmographies in the back. And that's what I would use, you know, so oh, I'd yeah. see something by, you know, Lucio Volci, uh, who I pronounced Lucio Fulci at the time because I had no idea. Um and I would just look down the filmography and try to find anything I could. And like you said, the reviews were just like they shit all over everything I liked. <laughs> but it's you know the 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 filmographies were essential in those days. Oh yeah, uh, and it was so comprehensive. Yeah, we'll so, have to talk about the we'll talk about the VHS of this in a little bit too. So you're going over. You're doing. Uh, oh wait, so so wait. Can I, I choose over Gates of Hell? Um, no, I think I might choose Gates of Hell. Okay. Uh, because that was that was another one that was just it really blew me away when I first saw it, um, and just even now it's kind of like it has that weird like Lovecraftian feel to it. It's a brilliant um, movie. It's one yeah, of the best. Yeah, uh, it, it's one of you know, and as far as the Fulci stuff goes, you know, it's really colorful. Like I love all that Dunwich stuff. Um, you know, all, all the yeah, I think it's really atmospheric, and you know, the 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 ghosts popping up and out. It, it, it's it leans more supernatural i feel than some of his other stuff um i feel like fulci's the ultimate lovecraftian director when you take yeah. the two pictures beyond on that i think have a great great mixture in them mm-hmm. yeah i mean i love them all so these movies i don't even know where like they're gonna rank in my list and then we have <laughs> let's go maniac versus cannibal apocalypse uh maniac's probably better um, i mean that, that, that that's another real sleazy good one too uh, maybe, but it's you know it's funny because I I find Cannibal Apocalypse possibly more fun than most of these. If no, these are sense. not fun movies. They're right, all right. Sp- Cannibal Apocalypse is mean spirited too. There's not one means nice movie so far. <laughs> um, cruising. Where do you? Uh, God, Cruising is a masterpiece too. They're all masterpieces. <laughs> right. That's what I'm saying. Like it's really yes. hard to compare this. Yeah, year. I don't know how you're going. To, we're like, doing a top 25 because yeah, we can't do a top 10. We have to do a top 25 because there's too many good movies. I mean, you put me in order or yeah. are you? Holy shit. I don't even know how you are going to choose. I don't. That's like impossible. I keep going back and forth on some of them. I'm like, this is three. <laughs> this is four. This is five. I got my one and I've got my two and they're not going to change. Right. But that's just mostly it's all just. But all these movies I saw young. Like, so I saw yeah, most yeah. of these when I was from like 10 to like 16 for the first time. So they all have a connection to me on top of that. So it's like you're blinded by nostalgia on top of the quality of the movies. Right. So 
I guess we'll, maybe some of these ones will get a little easier after those. You don't know cruising and Cannibal Apocalypse. You can't pick. Uh, I'd probably go cruising, honestly. Uh, although cruising was one I didn't see until late. Uh, you know, a lot of this stuff, you know, I ended up seeing as a teenager. But that one, you know, I saw that I did, one late too. Yeah, I, I didn't. I actually didn't see cruising till uh, the DVD came out um, with its, you know, wackadoo color timing. Yeah. Um, um, so yeah, I mean, thankfully the Blu-ray fixes that, yeah. but. Uh, it was blue. I remember the first version right, I saw yeah, was blue. super blue, yeah, super and blue. Well, that. and the scene where they're like, you know, uh, popping like, what amyl nitrate or whatever the hell it is. Uh, like I remember, like the color like pulsates in on the like I don't know what the fuck Freakin' was thinking, uh, but he he fucked that all up. So um, then we got what's after Cannibal Apocalypse? Go dress to kill. Um, I prefer. I'd say Cannibal Apocalypse. Um, I like Dress to Kill. I like Dress to Kill a lot. There's some great, great scenes in there. I think the ending is a little bit of a cheat. Um, but yeah, overall, uh, yeah, some of that stuff with the museum and whatnot is fantastic. Yeah, the one shots are great in that right, for sure. Right. High, high quality filmmaking. Um, yeah, although that's not my favorite De Palma. I would go Blowout um, easily, like hands down. Blowout's my favorite De Palma. So uh, some easier ones, maybe Motel Hell versus Cannibal Apocalypse. This is this destroys Motel Hell. <laughs> um, although it's funny, you know, I saw Motel Hell on 35 millimeter a few years back, and it actually played really well. It's like a fun a movie. Lot, I was gonna say it played a lot better than I was expecting. Um, watching it with a crowd on the big screen, I was really surprised by how much I enjoyed it. Uh, but still, Cannibal uh, um, stands down. Humanoids from the Deep. Ooh, that's a great one too. Um, shit. Um, like if I was on an island and had to choose, like, I, like only one tape, I can only fit one tape on the raft after my plane crash. Um, I may go humanoids. Not much quite like humanoids. It's kind of yeah. the only exploitation version of that story that's that fun, to be right, honest. Right, right. Yeah. It's- and that large. Yeah, yeah. I mean, great creature suits, super fast-paced, bloody, um, funny. Uh, Vic Morrow's great. And it's got one of the all-time best yeah, scares in the water. When the kid goes overboard and they show his point of view getting pulled down on the net, that's <laughs> fucking horrifying. Right. Um, and then even, you know, all the stuff that they filmed later, you know, with all the girls and stuff. Uh, you know, I thought all that stuff was actually still really well done. It, it's, you know, it's sleazy, it's exploitative, but it's supposed to be. That's the I, only I love it because there. you get like the feminist touch, which makes it a high quality, well made film, and then you get the exploitation <laughs> touch on top of it, so it makes it vastly entertaining. It's like this is kind of best of both worlds. Right, I right. Like a, exactly. I feel like a troglodyte, but I still like it. <laughs> and then, uh, what about Alligator? Uh, geez, uh, Alligator is practically a perfect movie too. Uh, yeah, I just rewatched that. Fine, you know when the when the Blu-ray came out earlier this year, and that's definitely gonna make my top ten discs of the year list. Um, yeah, that movie's fantastic. Uh, that one might be a little bit more fun than this one. Um, yeah, I might I might give the edge to Alligator. Um, the Shining. God damn it! Uh, another masterpiece. Another to me solid see, ten. See, it's tough. It's right. Tough. Yeah, yeah. God, these were all 1980. Yeah. Holy shit. Technically, if you go on the internet movie data, we go by that just to make it easier. Because if you right. start pulling, so these are 1980 according to the first time they were released wherever, you know, not, maybe not right. widely, right. but this is where they, yeah. So 1980, I'm, I'm starting to think this and 85 probably have my, are my two favorite years. Yeah. Because 85 has got what, like Return of the Living Dead and Reanimator. And Day, Day of the, of the Dead, Dead, Demons, right. um, Fright Jesus. Night, um, Phenomenon, <laughs> um, Midnight shit, Hour, yeah. The Stuff, Life Force, Silver Bullet, House. Uh, you know, it's got a lot of shit. Yeah. You ain't kidding. 
Yeah. So, but I think 1980 is stronger. Like, I'm not even done yet. Um, so we also got Inferno. Yeah. Well, 1980 seems like it's more of a serious year compared yeah. to 1985. Oh, yeah. 1985s were more like horror comedy esque. Um, I mean, Grant Demons isn't a horror comedy, but you know, a lot of that stuff kind of has. 85 was like the turn where everything's yeah. like now we're kind of goofy. Right. Right. Yeah, which is why the, the you know, and then from the late '80s to like the mid '90s, it was like terrible because uh, everything felt well, you know, it was big rubbery <laughs> monsters, and you know, you get the occasional thing like you know, a, a demon knight or a, a you know, cemetery man or something like that. But yeah, you know, for the most part, uh, th- those were rough years, I, I uh, think and those the... and those were really the years where I was you know starting to watch stuff. You know, yeah. um, that was really you know my defining years, which is probably why. I sort of retreated to, you know, the, old the video movies. store rental stuff. So uh, did I. Know, Legs of Italian Horror. The only current stuff I was watching at the time was really Hong Kong movies because um, they were the only ones that were really exciting and new. You know, but most uh, domestic stuff was just well, unwatchable. Speaking of Hong Kong, what would you compare this to Encounters of the Spooky Kind? Um, I like this better. Yeah, I do too. Um, yeah. Then we got Lost Souls. Yeah, Lost Souls is a rough one. Um, I think this is better, but I really like Lost Souls. That's yeah, that one. Uh, <laughs> I mean, by the time they're you know they're celebrating the guy's birthday by like strapping a boy down to a table for him. That's that's just, awful. I'm just like this movie's fucked up. And then uh, um, that was by yeah, that was by TF Mao who did uh, Man Behind, Behind the, the Sun. Sun. Yeah, you don't have to. T- you can tell. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. Can this right. get any more mean spirited? Yeah, seriously. Um, what about the other one? Let me uh, think. The other Hong Kong would be The Beast. I think is another kind of heavy hitter from 1980. Yeah, yeah, the Beast. I need to rewatch that. It's funny. A buddy of mine, uh, this guy named Ryan Smith, uh, who had actually been helping out me and Art uh, yeah. source some stuff for the uh, uh, some of the Hong Kong commentaries we've been doing. He actually just sent me a composite of the Beasts um, that's supposed to have like a bunch of different footage from different versions put in. Because I think the oh. copy I have is cut. I think it's missing some stuff. I'd love um, to see the composite because I've seen that movie twice. I've seen the the English dub and the Cantonese. The Cantonese is much better, of course. Right. The English dub is. I don't. I don't care for it. I don't think. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Well, there were some versions that had hardcore porn cut into it as well. I never saw that. Um, and yeah, I don't know if that. I can't remember if that was a Dutch release or a Greek release or something like that. But yeah, it had hardcore porn in it. Um, I don't know if this copy has that. I haven't even popped it in yet. I just got them the other day. Um, but yeah, the beasts I didn't love. Um, when I first saw it. Um, I thought it was fine, but I didn't think it was. Yeah, I didn't consider it like upper tier. Yeah, Hong Kong exploitation, which is why I kind of wanted to give it another go. I probably haven't watched it in close to twenty years, so. I think got a couple more heavy hitters. The Changeling, yeah. first Cannibal Apocalypse. Ch- Changeling's funny um, because I didn't. I actually just saw the Changeling for the first time probably six or seven years ago. I probably um, did too, actually. Yeah, I because I stayed away from it. Uh, back when I was doing all the VHS rentals because uh, it looked like it didn't look like you know a real slam bang kind of horror movie um, and like some of the reviews that I read like especially in stuff like uh, Deep Red you know it's a lot of Chaz Ballin stuff uh, it didn't look they kind of said it wasn't there wasn't really it wasn't any gore um, it wasn't like you know that type of movie so i was like ah it's some dry stuffy sort of thing you know probably you know sort of oscar bait-esque crap um but then there was you know uh, a few years back there was a list that came out uh, in some magazine that was circulating around social media it was like 50 you know best horror movies of all time and i was looking over and i'm like you know i've seen all of these except for like two movies um and one of which was the changeling 
and then the other was that Russian war movie, Come and See. That movie's which, rough. Yeah, it's amazing. I wouldn't consider it a horror movie, uh, but it's horrific. Yeah, <laughs> it's real um, rough. But so I was like, let me let me finally watch The Changeling. You know, whatever. It's not going to kill me. I sat down and watched it, and I loved it. It's a great you know, movie. I was, I was amazed by how good it was. I'm like, holy shit. Like, why didn't I watch this for all those years? You know, I was, I was expecting it to just be, like, boring and stuffy. And it is so compelling. George C. Scott is amazing in it. Um, it's really creepy. Uh, and it has just the script is fantastic. It's really It's really good. classy, too. It's the type yeah. of movie they can show anybody. And if they're like, oh, it's like the horror movie you show your mom and anybody can enjoy it. <laughs> right. Um, the Fog. The Fog. I like this better than The Fog. Um, I really like The Fog. And again, it's another one that seeing it theatrically actually helped me kind of like instilled a, a better appreciation of it. Um, I still, if memory serves, I have some issues with the fog. You know, it's it's not quite. It's not top tier carpenter for me. People think right. it is. I just don't. I like it. And I think it's good. Yeah. But I, just, I never put it in that top tier spot. Not yeah, top I'm, five. Right. Like I'd probably give it like a seven or an eight or something. But it's not the thing. You know, it's not to me big trouble in little China. It's not even Christine for um, me. I love Christine. Christine, right? Yeah, Christine's a good one. I'd probably rank it about uh, comparable to Christine. Um, but yeah, it's not Escape from New York. You know, it's it's. I prefer uh, Prince of Darkness and then the Mouth of Madness over it as well. Yeah, I love Prince of Darkness. Prince Those... of Darkness really kind of like has a lot of twisted themes to it. I really Underrated like movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, in the Mouth of Madness, never quite clicked for me. Um, there's things I like about it, but to me, that's another one that does doesn't quite fully work the way it, I think it's. It's kind of hard to. to grasp your mind around in the mouth of madness, but right. with all the people losing their collective minds lately, I think it, it kind of hits a little closer <laughs> to home. Right, right. Um, what else do we got? Oh, we got Friday Thirteenth. Um, God, I mean that's such a groundbreaker. Yeah. Um, and and I I actually love the first Friday Thirteenth too. The first five I can watch all the time. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, I, th I think I, my, my favorites, I think I probably go one and then five and then maybe four. And then, yeah, I think it's a little great. great like the first five are all ranked around like into quality for me and entertainment. And then like after that, I'm just like, I know people like six and it's fine, but it's just not. I tried to rewatch that recently and I just couldn't enjoy it like the first five for some reason. Right, right. Um, so, so you're going, you don't know on that one. I, you... I might go Friday 13th, maybe. So, like, literally, I, I have the I reserve the right to change all of this shit tomorrow. <laughs> uh, Christmas Evil. Uh, this is way better than Christmas. OK, Evil. Uh, don't answer the phone. Oh, God. You know, that's one of my movies, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, don't answer the phone was actually one that I liked more when I started working on that. Yeah. Um, you know, because I, I, I helped do some of the extras for uh, really all the extras. Um, for the old BCI Eclipse disc, uh, and then those have kind of carried on to uh, all the other releases since. Like we went out and interviewed Nick Worth, um, who was buddies. It was funny, you know. Nick didn't have the internet um, and didn't have like a, a DVD player or anything. Um, so when the when the disc came out and reviews started going up, I would call him and just read him the reviews, uh, you know, from internet sites and stuff. Uh, for don't answer the phone, you know, talking about his performance or whatever. And he was like so thrilled to hear that like people are appreciating something he did so long ago. Uh, and it's weird because like he was totally born again. Like he signed my don't yeah. answer the phone poster, like, God bless you, Bruce. I'm like, do you, this is a movie where you're like strangling naked chicks. Uh, but yeah, so it was really funny. But he was such a nice, sweet, awesome dude. Uh, but yeah, working on that, you know, watching that movie and doing, you know, this uh, featurettes for it, 
really kind of grew my appreciation for it. Um, yeah, I I think I like this one better, um, but Don't Answer the Phone to me is is uh, just a blast, too. Um, Nicholas Wirtz is one of my all-time favorite character actors, and I, I like yeah. hearing that. I wish I would have got to meet him because we always made the joke that he looked like my friend when he walked in, I was, we were watching, I was watching Action Jackson or something uh-huh. like that. And he was like, "Who the?" Hell? I was like, "That guy's great." He's like, "I love Nicholas." He's like, "It's Fab Bruce Willis." That's what he called him all the time. So we always called him Fab Bruce Willis because in that right. movie he looked just like Bruce Willis. Right, right. So like, he, yeah, it's it was... it's funny because he was, you know, he was heavy. You know, I mean, but he he was he wasn't solid. Yeah. He was solid muscle. He was big time into like powerlifting yeah, and stuff. Yeah. And there's a shot in Don't Answer the Phone where yes. he's fighting with the cops, and he yeah. right, he literally picks the cop up and like slams him down on the couch and stuff. Yeah. I mean, he literally just lifts the guy like over his head. Yeah, he was um, awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good guy. Good guy. Um, but yeah, it's always great to see him turn up. I just saw, uh, so Zoom Films last X-Fest, they did this uh, really good, uh, solid, sort of like feminist uh, rape revenge movie called The Ladies Club. Love Ladies Club. Uh, yeah, yeah. And yeah, he popped up in that. Uh, so got yeah, a great always, scene. Uh, yeah, I was great. To, I was so happy to see him on the big screen. Yeah, it's a fantastic <laughs> movie. Really underrated. Wakes up in the bathroom. Yeah, that's a good movie. <laughs> He's also got a crazy scene in The Rape of Richard Beck with Richard Which I've Brenner. never seen, right. Ugh, Somebody I'd else want... mentioned that recently. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I was like, I need to see that. That sounds crazy. It's yeah. it's like a man rape movie, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I, I yeah. won't spoil anything for you, but I feel like you know who some of the rapists are in that. <laughs> and there's a really amazing lineup scene. I, I think I have a hunch yeah. who it could be. Right. <laughs> uh, so so three slashers. I'm sure you probably put all of them over. You know this. Uh, I mean, all the Cannibal Apocalypse over all of them. Terror Train, Prom Night, On Scene. Uh, yes, I would put this way above all of those. Yeah. Uh, Terror Train's one that I like, okay, but it's you know not a great to me. It's not even in my top like twenty slashers. Uh, same with Prom Night. There's things I like about it, like that scene with the disco on the disco floor with that's the head. That's the best part like, of the movie. Yeah, exactly. That's fantastic. the disco dancing is the best part of the movie, right. which is insane. <laughs> Who would say that? Um, the unseen I like a little bit more than those, just because it's so batshit wacky. Like when that when they reveal the killer in that movie, I almost lost my mind. It's like, very, kind of scary. Yeah, I couldn't fucking believe it. I, I was just like slack jawed uh, watching that one. And Cindy Lassiter is, is amazing in that film. Yeah, he's great. He was good in uh, you know uh, a movie I really just did a major turnaround on. Uh, I remembered seeing it in the VHS days and didn't care much for it, but uh, Cindy Cindy Lassick or Lasik um, is also in it. Was um, Silent Madness? The Vinegar Syndrome just never out. watched that. I'll have to watch yeah. that one. He's so good in it. Yeah, well, and it turns out to be a really fun slasher movie. Plus, they put back the gore. Um, nice. Like, I haven't really seen anybody talk about it, but uh, there was gore in there that I'm pretty sure was censored for the R rating before. Uh, quite a few, like, probably three or four little scenes um, that were a bit more graphic than what I'd seen before. Plus, seeing it in full scope yeah. um, and a good-looking print of it, it really made, like, a way different impression on me than it did. Like, I, I was ready to just write it off, but I was like, you know what? I'm kind of in a slasher mood. I'll, I'll sit down and watch this again because, you know, not having seen it in close to 30 years. So I got. Um, and yeah, yeah. It, it really surprised me. So yeah, I'll have to so watch that. Final Madness, give it a look. I have that Blu ray, of course. There's three more. Um, okay. Mother's Day. Mother's Day, love. Um, I like this a little bit better. Um, Mother's Day, there's so much I like about it, but at the same time, it's so one note almost. It's like because like the first hour is pretty much like the same shit, like just over. It's just the two brothers being ridiculous. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's not till she escapes that it kind of starts getting revenge. That seems, you know, a little more interesting. Uh, and then the stuff with like the sister, you know, in the woods. Yeah. And, the ending's great in Mother's Day. So it's yeah, a really yeah. great ending. Um, Hell of the Living Dead. Uh, 
<laughs> the worst. Uh, so I will. I kind of like Hell of the Living Dead these days. In the VHS days, as Night of the Zombies, I was always fascinated with that tape. I bought that tape the same day I bought my tapes from a from a video store of Evil Dead One and Two and Dawn of the Dead. Ooh. And like Night of the Zombies was the one I'd never seen before. And I remember showing my girlfriend at the time. You know, we watched the other ones, and then we put in Night of the Zombies, uh, and. It was just terrible. Number one, you couldn't see anything on that old Vestron tape. Um, and it was just, it was so fucking bad. So it wasn't until years later when I kind of like started to appreciate Bruno Mattei uh, that I kind of went back around on. Uh, so it really wasn't until like around the Anchor Bay DVD came out yeah. uh, that I kind of, yeah, I, I started rating that one a little more fun. But it's not a good movie. No. Like nobody can ever argue that it's good. In, I love like, it, any but it's sense sucks. of the word. Right. Um, so yeah, Cannibal Apocalypse is a legitimately good movie, so way above that. And Nightmare um, City. Nightmare City. Nightmare City is another fun one. I'd rank this higher. Um, but my favorite scene in all of Nightmare City is when the uh, you know zombies, if you want to call them that, or the, the infected folk, uh, break into the hospital operating room, and the doctor just turns with his scalpel and flings it right at a zombie, and it hits him. Like, the doctor had been practicing throwing scalpels for, He'd like, his entire life. he been thinking about it like, 10 years. Right, right, just waiting for the moment to come. And sure enough, it did. Uh, it's my favorite part of the entire movie. Uh, um, but, yeah, that, that's a really fun one, too. I mean, there's some other ones, but I doubt they'll they'll rank higher. Eaten Alive, Zombie Holocaust, you know, Hex, all ooh, these movies. Ooh, Zombie Holocaust is another favorite of mine. Yeah, like so, that, that, that and Burial Ground are kind of like two of my like my top yeah. ten all-time Euro trash movies. Um, I always kind of like you know the ones that are a little bit weirder and like a little bit more off kilter. Yeah. I like um, that one too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, doc, yeah, Zombie Holocaust. I I actually prefer the Doctor Butcher MD cut. Yeah, because uh, that was how I first saw it with like all that weird shit in the beginning and. Uh, the weird score that's like ding dong ding dong dong like it's so terrible uh but for me it works um so yeah yeah uh that one might i might rank dr butcher higher than cannibal apocalypse mm. and then of course uh i think there's other ones that are borderline horror like ninth configuration and stuff like that yeah, which is I great yeah, yeah it's a great like, one but so like i'm telling you 1980 shogun assassin too it, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great year it's a great yeah. year it, it's one right. of the best hands down mm-hmm um, so when was your first time seeing this? Um, I was about 13 years old. I rented uh -huh. the Invasion from the Flesh Hunters on the Video yeah. Treasures VHS from a place called <laughs> Video News. We got some chicken legs from KFC, and I went home <laughs> in my bedroom and watched it and loved it. You? Yeah, so, yeah not a dissimilar story. <laughs> um, yeah, the first time I got it was from a place called The Video Store. Imagine okay. that real, real imaginative name for the store. Again, I rented the uh, Vestron, I believe. Uh, tape of Invasion of the Flesh Hunters uh, and watched that. And I really liked it, but I could tell it was cut. You know, just watching it. You could, it is the cut version. Yeah, it kind, of, it kind of like starts going up uh, to some of these scenes. They kind of build up and then cut away. Um, so I remembered that uh, and but reading about it in magazines uh, as Cannibal Apocalypse, I'm like, oh, you know, they sort of confirmed that, oh, you need to see the uncut version. So at the time, I was calling around video stores because I didn't know any better, uh, looking for some of these movies I was reading about because I just started getting into like Deep Red yeah. and things like that. And I remember calling around video stores asking if they had Cannibal Holocaust. Uh, and of course, you know, it never had a video release here. No. So, of course, all these stores, everybody said no. And I called like all the stores like in my county that I figured I could probably talk my mom into driving me to. Um, 
and eventually, so there was a second guide that I bought at the grocery store. In addition to the video movie guide, I bought Leonard Malton's guide. Um, and in the back of there, they had a list of resources of places you could go to buy movies. Um, and one of the places they listed was a store called the Video Vault in Alexandra, Virginia. Um, and they did mail order rentals. So they would actually mail you tapes. And their slogan was guaranteed worst movies in town. So I'm like, holy shit, this sounds right up my alley. So I called yeah. them and I'm like, hey, do you have Cannibal Holocaust? And they were like, yes. So I'm like, holy shit. So I basically begged my mom to allow me to use her credit card to sign up an account and have them mail me uh, these movies. Like you would give them a list of six movies and they would mail you three of them. So like my very first batch of titles I got was uh, The Beyond, Cannibal Holocaust, and Let Sleeping Corpses Lie. Great. All great movies. Uh, right. Ten out of and ten. The, exactly. And then so I mailed those back and I kept trying to get Meet the Feebles because that wasn't available in video Another here. Another ten out of ten. Right. That wasn't available in video here. And like every single time I put that as my number one pick and I never fucking got it. So it wasn't until the Dead Alive tape came out that I actually managed to uh, see that. But my second order from them, they said they had, they had you know, looking through the list, they had Cannibal Apocalypse listed. And I'm like, oh, this must be the uncut version. So I got like that Last House on Dead End Street, which funny enough, their version of Last House on Dead End Street, the sun tape was the actual uncut version of the movie which is the only time i've ever seen an uncut copy of it uh on sun so i made a dupe of that and it was i actually made art a copy of that as well and it was that tape that was used for the gore scene in uh the barrel entertainment dvd really of yeah yeah so that That's was insane that was my old cop you know my me duping uh video vaults old copy uh, but yeah so i got last house on dead end street man behind the sun and cannibal apocalypse um so their version of cannibal apocalypse ended up being a Spanish subtitled version that had a little bit more gore, but for the most part, it was still the same. And I'm like, well, this doesn't seem right. Um, and then later, you know, so then a few years later, I became pen pals with Chaz Ballin and, you know, started writing to him and he sold videos as well. He'll sell bootlegs and he had Cannibal Apocalypse listed in his bootleg catalog from a Japanese source. I'm yeah. like, all right. I'm like, Japanese sources are always the best sources. I'm like, they got to be this guy. This has to be it. Um, so finally, I, you know, I bought a copy from him because again, like I would get, I would beg my mom for like Christmas. I'd be like, "Oh, buy me these ten movies I used to for have Christmas." Too. I'm like, I'm give like, her a great. list of fucking gnarly shit when I'm like thirteen. Exactly. She's like, "What is this?" <laughs> exactly. Just don't look at it. Don't read the title. You don't need to know what it is. Just buy me it for Christmas, right? Please. Right, please. That's all I want. I need it. <laughs> so I finally got the Japanese copy of that, and voila it was finally uncut you know i finally saw like the hole in john morgan's stomach and yeah. you know all uh, this uh, the bone saw scene that goes on forever With it's that like that, that yeah yeah <laughs> and it's like that that bone saw scene is like so protracted it's like there's no reason for it to be that long but it's like literally like done in real time of them like sawing through this guy's leg um but so strangely enough uh so that was fine for a while but then once i started getting into like tape trading and stuff like in the late 90s I like mid to late nineties. I was no longer satisfied with just bootlegs. Of course. So I mean, I, I know I've seen your spread. I know you like me are a very big proponent of physical media. Yeah. So I actually eventually came in contact with this Japanese guy named Yoshitomo Fuji, uh, who I'm actually now friends with on social media, weirdly enough. But back in those days, he was like the, like one of the biggest suppliers of Japanese tapes to people like Midnight Video yeah. and like all, all these bootleggers. Like he was their main source. Um, so 
I started writing to him and being like, hey, here's a wish list of titles. What do you have? I remember like the first two tapes I bought were actually Killer Crocodile, which we mentioned earlier, and uh, uh, Fulci's Demonia. Um, so like, yeah, just getting actual Japanese tapes of those. You're downgrading like, hey. a little bit from the beginning, I must say. I but know, not I too know. bad. Not too but, bad. But look, they, those, they were a good start. Yeah, that was what was available. But so eventually I was able to get the actual Japanese pre-record <laughs> of of Cannibal Apocalypse. Here is my, you know, 25-year-old uh, acquisition of the original Japanese pre-record. That's awesome. Of uh, Cannibal Apocalypse. So, anybody that, that know, and the that, Japanese tapes will play on the American VCRs. I think they were. Yes, yes. NTSC. NTSC. Yeah, right. and the Euro stuff was Paul, so. But yeah, I used to think I was such hot shit for having stuff like that and like Burial Ground and Zombie 3 and like all that stuff. I used to have like Japanese originals. Like I thought I was like the coolest guy around uh, because I wasn't like a bootlegger. But, you know, having originals of this stuff definitely made you cooler on the tape trading circuit because people would be getting people would get quality the same as from any other bootlegger. You know, yeah. like I had like one of those like double deck VCRs that were like industrial strength and stuff. Uh, so, yeah, it was, it was pretty cool for a while. And then, of course, the, the DVD came out and then rendered that worthless. So, well, I mean, just... I remember getting the DVD this one at Best Buy of all places. <laughs> right, right? right. The first day it came out, I, I was like, I was getting all the MGM $10 titles like The Fog and The Howling and stuff for 10 bucks. And it's like Cannibal Apocalypse is 20. I'm like, but I got to have Cannibal Apocalypse. I love this movie. And when I got the DVD, I was like, it's uncut. Cool. Right. Cool. Right. It's like 2001, right? Yeah. Yeah, that was because uh, I was like 15 years old when I bought that DVD. <laughs> well, the funniest thing about buying these tapes from uh, Yoshitomo in Japan was in order to get them, I would literally mail an envelope full of cash to Japan. Ooh, that's scary. And it's like I would just try to like bundle them up, like fold them up like inside of other paper so you couldn't see them through the envelopes and like tape everything up. And basically I would just mail him the uh, uh, an envelope full of cash and wait like months it would be like it would take like two month turnaround time at least i've uh, never doing that snail to get mail. these tapes back and like can you imagine today's era of like entitled no. rats like sitting through that like i see people losing their fucking minds like two weeks after a severance sale you know i was upset with three weeks waiting for the dead next door to get because <laughs> you send in your money and you wait your check and then they gotta wait for the check clears i'm like i was waiting all summer it felt like for three right, weeks to get right. the dead next door and then when it finally came i was like <gasps> <laughs> well we were like that with with bootleg tapes too i mean they're yeah. all made to order yeah so like right those christmas orders that we would do you know you, you wouldn't expect to see those back for like six weeks at least oh, yeah. you know so yeah yeah it's a, it's amazing how the, the impatient one everybody's become that's gotten fucked up is like i won't buy bootlegs anymore if the movie's not available i'm sorry like i'll buy it when it gets officially released right but i'm just gonna i'm just gonna download it then buy it when it comes out if it's not officially available yeah, I mean, sometimes because, they're they're they're, they're a bit of a necessary evil, unfortunately. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, especially with you know, if I'm back researching in the day, something. you had no choice, right, right. But even now, like, there's like I, I recently just picked up like a bunch of Hong Kong movies that like played HD on like Chinese TV, um, but like there's no Blu-rays available of them. So you know, I've, some stuff that I kind of got HD to check rips out. of movies right. that never had Blu-rays. Like exactly, The Lost Souls has a German Blu-ray, right? But no Does English it? subtitles. Oh, so okay. people they they take they rip the blue and they put yeah. the English subs on there and then they sell a bootleg of it and you're like, well, I gotta have Lost Souls on Blu-ray. Or just <laughs> at least an HD copy of it, right? Right, exactly. But then when it gets released here, I'll buy it or whatever, you know. But 
nowadays you look online and there's people selling bootlegs for like $25 and you're like, I'm sorry, but like, I know they look high quality, but kind of go fuck yourself. A bootleg yeah, is 10 yeah. bucks, bro. Right. It's 10 bucks. Exactly. Like, that's the going rate, right? Yeah. 10 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. I see that in the groups all the time. It's amazing. I'm I just, just like, could never wow. pay that much for a boot. Yeah. You know? No, no, no. Uh, it's, 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 it's insulting. Just give me the fucking disc. I don't need your cover. Art. It's a piece <laughs> of shit. It's fake anyways. Right. Yeah. Fucking yeah. fake. Just give me the right. disc. Right. With your, with your garbage FBI warnings or whatever on it. Yeah. Like, come fuck on now. Fuck off, right. man. Right. <laughs> like, so, I, mean, I used to buy boots back in the day when I have a choice, but after a while you're like, why spend money on the boots when I can just go to a website and buy the real thing now? Like a lot yeah, of the exactly. other because there's millions of movies I want to buy. I'm not going to spend it on a boot right now. Yeah. Well, and that's the other thing. I mean, there's never a point in time where I don't have like 2000 movies sitting here that I haven't watched. And yeah. I'm sure, I, you know, I'm sure you're just like me. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I get so much shit every week that it's impossible to keep up. You know, I, exactly. I'll be happy. You know, I watch, I'll watch 10 movies a week and I'll be like, yeah, good job. Meanwhile, I get like 30 movies. I'm yeah. Like, I've had to slow down cause I'm going to cinema wasteland and it's like, I don't want to spend too much. And then I'm like, I won't <laughs> even spend much there because I want to save for the year end sale. I'm at the, right, uh, the right. black Friday. I want to get the yearly package for vinegar syndrome. Uh huh. You gotta save. Right. Is there anything you wanted to plug? Um, no, not check any of the out, commentaries you have? Yeah, check check out our new commentaries uh, on, on Dr. Lamb, House on the Edge of the Park, Untold Story, whatever else I've done. I think those are the most recent ones, aren't they? Oh, Contraband. I did Contraband for Cauldron. Yeah. I uh, jumped on with Troy and Nathaniel for that. Yeah, that was good. Um, I have a few more coming up. I don't think I can announce anything. Um, doing uh, another pair of Category 3 movies with art. Nice. Uh, I might be jumping on one with uh, my buddy Brian Sen uh, for a uh, 50 sci-fi movie, which uh, is, is a bit uh, different than what I, you know, all the sleazy things I've done oh, yeah, before. Yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. Going from Emmanuel in America to, to this. Um, working on some stuff for Vinegar Syndrome. Uh, supposed to do, I was supposed to have done a commentary for them with Nathaniel like two years ago and literally the, uh, really? Um, Literally, the uh, transfer they keep getting back was like kept getting fucked up. So I don't know what's going on with that. Means it's probably from Italy, right? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, it's like uh, the last time I heard, like the the scan they got was like out of focus. Um, So that one didn't fly. It'll happen eventually. I appreciate you doing this. Yeah, uh, I appreciate you having me. Like I said, you know, it's something I normally do. So uh, probably because you know. Uh, although I, you know, I am happy. I, I do get to uh, capture my my COVID look for uh, posterity. I used to be not, I used to be nice and clean cut, and then you know when we started working from home, I said I figured, hey, you know, it'd be funny to see how long my uh, my beard and hair will get uh, in the six weeks that I'm supposed to be working from home, uh, and then next thing it was like two and a half years later. So actually, I, I'm getting ready to clean up in like the next few days, but I figured I at least wanted to capture it on here for posterity. No, it doesn't look bad. I mean, it's not—it's not on capped, you know. It's just a big beer. <laughs> it's not like there's barbecue sauce in there. You—you, uh, you, uh, I, I, there might be. I'm not sure. There might. You can never tell. Right, when right, I used to have yeah. a beard, it always smelled like barbecue sauce. <laughs> but yeah, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks uh, for doing it again. Any last words on Cannibal Apocalypse? No, it's a great movie. Everybody needs to check it out. Uh, and if you don't like it, uh, don't be my friend. <laughs> if you don't like it, go watch something that sucks. Right. <laughs> <laughs> See ya. All right, have a good one. Will they look for Antina? 
Call for the coroner, Chief? Yeah. Tell him this fucking nightmare's over. Scott 25.